Hokkaido Kinseidol Sapporo vs Gamba Osaka 2022 J1 Season Round 18 Sunday June 26, 2022 Sapporo Dome Kickoff, 1400 hours, JST It's crunch time at the Sapporo Dome this Sunday afternoon as Hokkaido Kinseidol Sapporo and Gamba Osaka look to snap three match losing runs and put an end to their respective slides down the J1 standings. Gamba slumped to a fourth home defeat of the year against table toppers Yokohama F. Marinos last Saturday, and while the outcome itself was perhaps unsurprising, worryingly for Tomohiro Katanosaka and the Naratsuri support it was the second time in the space of three matches where opponents have come from behind to defeat the Aotakuro, something that happened just once across the 2020 and 2021 campaigns. Gamba currently sit in 15th and Sunday's hosts are four places and a mere three points ahead of them following a wretched run of results. Most recently they were thrashed 5-2 by Kawasaki Frontale at the Todoroki Stadium and they've now conceded 15 goals in their last three J1 outings. Long-serving Kantaku Misha Petrovic's position is coming under increasing pressure and he will be desperate to secure the three points here. These two sides combined for an XG of 4.73, but somehow drew 0-0 in Suita during Golden Week, and with this clash, unlike the 2020 and 2021 encounters, being played at the Sapporo Dome rather than the windswept, Bumpy Atsubetsu Stadium, we should be in for an open game of football and hopefully plenty of goals. Tale of the Tape Before I start out this section I'd like to give a shout out to it or underscore by underscore Rio for his excellent 2022 mid-season review which includes a mind-blowing array of stats and information on all 18 J1 clubs, please check it out if you haven't already. For Gamba supporters, a one-goal home defeat to Yokohama F. Marino certainly has an air of familiarity about it as it's now occurred on five of the seven occasions the Kanagawa Giants have visited the possibly cursed Panasonic Stadium on league business since it was opened in 2016, has anyone checked it's not built on an ancient burial site or anything? Anyway, as usual when you play Marinos their open style gives you the chance to dazzle on occasions, but also to be completely overwhelmed on others. Quite impressively the Naratsuri outran their guests from Kanto, completing 2.3 kilometers more as a team and performing 26 more sprints. Both distance covered, 120.3 kilometers, and sprinting, 204, numbers were season bests for the Aota Kuro by 1.4 kilometers and 4 respectively. However, on a hot early summer evening they ran out of steam and were unable to go the distance largely due to the efforts they put in during the first 45 minutes, Katano Saka said in his post-match comments that this first half will serve as the blueprint for the way he wants Gamba to play from now on. Having been outshot a mere 8-7, XG 1.1-0.5 to in Marino's favor, in the opening stanza, after the break Marino's recorded 14 efforts on goal to Gamba's 5 and outranked them in XG 1.3-0.64. It's not so much that Marino's created loads of high-quality chances for themselves, but as we saw in last week's stats review, they have an above-average attack and if they manage to get the ball in and around an opponent's box for significant periods of time then they are going to score, no question about it. Individually three players in blue and black stood out positively for me on Saturday. Firstly, goal scorer Dahan, who was the Naratsuri's leading shot taker on the night with four and is now joint top of the club's scoring charts, tied with Anas on three. Hiroto Yamami also shone brightly, especially in the first half, his evening's work included two shots, three last passes, three crosses and four possession recoveries and he seems to be starting to find his feet at this level. Additionally, my choice for player of the first half of the season, Kosuke Anas, had a quietly effective evening in attack and defense, chalking up two shots, two last passes, five blocks and four possession recoveries. The final point I wanted to make here is an extension of something I've been saying for multiple seasons now, constant tinkering with the team's shape, especially at the back, leads you nowhere. Now, thanks to the first table you see below, 
I have the numbers to back up my comments. In 16 league matches so far, Gamba have started with a back 3 on 6 occasions compared to 10 back 4s, and that's not to mention the numerous times things have been switched up on the fly mid-game or in cup competitions. There have also been 8 changes of formation between consecutive league matches, which in my book is just way, way too many, and it's something that's going to need to be addressed if the Aotearoa are to dig themselves out of the hole they're presently in. Honestly, Sapporo's results and performances across the first half of the season have defied reason and logic to such an extent that I'm just going to opt for a descriptive rather than a prescriptive approach for the majority of this analysis. After drawing their opening six games, they were then spanked 5-0 away at Tosu, who prior to that had scored just three times in six J1 matches, please never change J League, before embarking on a run of five consecutive clean sheets which included their trip to Panasonic Stadium in Golden Week. However, Starting from the 4-1 drubbing at Kashima on 14th of May, Misha Petrovic's charges have led in a staggering 20 goals in 5 games, conceding 4 or more in 4 of those bouts, and currently boasts the league's most porous backline, 5 clear of nearest challengers Jubilo Iwata. Shots for and against numbers are pretty even, however, Kinsedol's XG against is significantly higher than XG for suggesting that opponents are creating far better chances than they are most likely through counter-attacking opportunities, especially when Sapporo are chasing a game and Petrovic alters the strategy from all-out attack to ultra-all-out attack. To make matters worse for the Rossoneri, not only has the defense leaked badly, but their injury-plagued attack has misfired too. The likes of Chanathip and Jay haven't been adequately replaced, while Koraki and Ogashiwa's fitness issues certainly haven't helped either as this has led to a square pegs and round holes situation with the likes of Gabriel Xavier, Arano and Kaneko forced to become auxiliary centre-forwards. I'm a long-term admirer of Takaro Kaneko, but unfortunately the leading dribbler and crosser in J1 2021 has been shunted about between wing-back, shadow forward and central attacker which has greatly affected his output. He's now down to third in the dribbling rankings, level with his mercurial teammate Lucas Fernandez, and doesn't even rank first at Consadol in the crossing metric with Fernandez registering 14 more during the first half of the year, Kaneko's currently listed as 20th in the league. With that said, Kaneko remains a threat with the most through balls played out of everyone in the Rossoneri squad while also creating the second highest number of chances. He's definitely still someone that Tomohiro Katano Saka and the Gamba defense will have to keep a close eye on come Sunday. First match recap. We're less than two months on from the first meeting of the year between these two sides so I'll be mercifully brief in here. The 0-0 scoreline at Panasonic Stadium doesn't really tell the whole story of that game as Sapporo hit the post and had Yoshiaki Kumai tread on the ball and somehow fail to score from the Gamba goal line all within the first minute of the contest. Things got even more frustrating for Kinsedol at the end of the opening period when Gabriel Xavier's penalty was brilliantly saved by Junikai Mori after Kwan Kyungwon had been slightly harshly adjudged to have brought down Hiroki Miyazawa. The Rossoneri spent the majority of the second period on the front foot, but were wasteful in the attacking third and almost paid the ultimate price for their sloppiness in the final quarter when the Narotsuri's Brazilian duo Patrick and Wellington Silva spurned presentable openings. However, a hot and sunny golden week encounter somehow finished up 0-0. Gamba Osaka Yokohama F. Marino's game wrap, I know I delved into this a touch in tail of the tape above, but there were a couple of extra points I wanted to make. Firstly, was the feeling of inevitability that swept the stadium in the wake of Marino's going 2-1 in front, the apparent lack of belief among the Gamba players radiated out to all those of a blue and black persuasion and that was a real concern for me. With that said, Marino's keeper Yohei Takaoka did have to be at his best to earn his side the three points, just as he did in the corresponding fixture last season, with a couple of excellent stops, one in each half, so, while Gamba were thoroughly outplayed in the second period, 
it wasn't quite all doom and gloom. Finally, some words of praise for the referee, Akiro Ikuchi for sticking with his on-field decision of no penalty against Mitsuki Saito even when summoned to the VAR booth for a look. This is the first time, excluding when VAR cocked up by forgetting to check a clear offside in the Gamba vs Sendai game last season, where I can remember a referee refusing to overturn a decision, for or against Gamba, after being called over to the TV monitor. The R word, in the wake of Angie Postecoglou leading Celtic to the title in his first campaign in charge, I heard the season before his arrival being referred to as a disaster and not by Celtic sources, this was the mainstream media I'm talking about. For anyone unfamiliar with the situation, they finished second in 2020-21. Similarly, Gary Neville described the current Manchester United team as the worst since the 1970s after finishing sixth in 2021-22, I'm sure they ended up seventh the year after Fergie left, however, in Japan's top flight, a season which can be described as a disaster or the worst ever leads you to J2. So, with that meandering ramble off my chest, now to my question, is Gamba's Anis Horribilis of 2012 destined to repeat itself in 2022 and will this World Cup year culminate in relegation for the Blue and Blacks? Reasons pointing towards yes would be, the Naratsuri's current form and league position trajectory, the lack of a clear shape or identity, front office recruitment issues, poor defending and constant injuries, I'm sorry this has been going on for so long that it has to be concluded that Gamba are doing something worse than the rest of the league, the rest of the league are doing something better than Gamba, word it as you please. Signs in favor of no might be the upcoming summer transfer window, their game in hand and closeness to mid-table, experience in digging themselves out of a hole 12 months ago, and there being enough, though maybe only just enough, weaker teams in the league to finish below them. Which route will the Naratsuri season take from here on? It's impossible to say at this stage. Transfer news and gossip, with the J-League transfer window opening on 15th of July and Gamba in dire need of reinforcements I thought it would be a good time to run through some rumors. Football Tribe reported that Gamba and Fukuoka have dropped out of the race for highly rated Brazilian attacker Ademir, Atletico Mineiro, due to his hefty price tag, he's valued at 4.5 million euros on transfer marked. The article also suggested that S. Pulse could still be in the hunt as new Kontaku Z. Ricardo seeks to reshape his squad. He seems set to offload some of his current foreign talents, and the Naratsuri could be tempted to make a move for someone like Carlinius Jr. or even the recently arrived Osei Hun, but that's purely my speculation. There does seem to be something behind rumors linking Ryotaro Meshino with a return to Panasonic Stadium after three indifferent years in Europe and Gamba are also one of a number of clubs credited with an interest in Japan international forward Musashi Suzuki, who is crucially on record as saying he wants to go somewhere that he'll play regularly which may put the Aota Kuro ahead of Kobe and Arawa in the pecking order for his services, then again this could just be wishful thinking on my part. In terms of departures, it's being reported in South Korea that backup left-back Shin Wonho will join Suwon Samsung Blue Wings on a six-month loan while there are strong rumors that out-of-favor Volante Ju Se-jong will also return to his homeland, though his future destination is unclear at the moment. Emperor's Cup Wrap, Gamba overcame a sluggish first-half performance, no efforts on goal, to see off Tomohiro Katanosaka's former side Oita Trinita 3-1 at the Showa Denko Dome on Wednesday night. A beautiful dribble and dink from Hiroto Yamami following Shu Karata's defense splitting pass drew the Naratsuri level after ex-Gamba forward, and fellow Kwanzaa Gakuin alumni, Hiroto Goya had given the hosts the lead with an early spot kick, the second time this season Yoda Sato has given away a penalty at the same venue, the other being in the Levon Cup. Speaking of the Levon Cup, the Aota Kuro will now face another of their group stage rivals, Kashima, away in the next round of this competition, thanks to a late brace from Patrick. The Brazilian's first coming via a back post header, where he leapt to meet Shota Fukuoka's cross superbly, 
and the second being dispatched from the penalty spot in the 89th minute. With the likes of Kawasaki, Marinos, Orawa, FC Tokyo and Sapporo all bowing out to J2 opposition on the same night, I think it's safe to say this tie was a bullet dodged and its mission accomplished for Katana Saka and Co. Team News The following players are doubts for this fixture and, or have an important status announcement regarding their availability. GK Junikaimori, two dislocated fingers in right hand, expected back September at the earliest. DF Keisuke Kurakawa, missed last Saturday's loss to Marinos and the Emperor's Cup victory over Oita in midweek, no reason given for his absence which remains a mystery at the moment. DF Kwan Kyungwon, one match suspension for red card picked up against Yokohama F. Marinos. MF Yuya Fukuda, underwent shoulder surgery in late May, expected back mid-August at the earliest. MF Yuki Yamamoto, injured knee cartilage in late May, expected back in autumn at the earliest. FW Takashi Usami, ruptured Achilles tendon, most likely out for the season. Predicted lineups and stats. Hokkaido Kinsaito Sapporo. Interestingly, in the wake of Sapporo's 5-2 defeat at the hands of defending champions Kawasaki last weekend, former player, from 2017 to 2021, Jay Bothroyd took to Twitter to criticize the current stagnation at the club and cited the fourth-place finish achieved in Misha Petrovic's first year in charge back in 2018 as the target for all future campaigns. Those comments got me wondering, does that 2018 season hang over the current Sapporo squad like the Sword of Damocles? As an outside observer, I would point out that since entering the J League back in 1998, Kinsadol have spent 13 seasons in J2 compared with 11 in the top flight and their current run of six consecutive campaigns in J1 is by far and away the best in their history. They've never finished lower than 12th during that time and despite recent poor results they're still 11th this term. With no real investment to bring in big-name talents in their prime, is it realistic to expect a team, that largely has to make do with shaping and molding talents from their youth system and varsity football into a cohesive footballing unit, to perform any better than they've been doing of late? I'd argue no, but as sporting fandom is as much a part of the heart, as it is the brain, I'm sure there will be others who disagree. Looking into the near future, it's clear that Kinsadol need more attacking weapons to allow them to move up the standings. Having failed to adequately replace Chanathip when he departed for Kawasaki last winter they have now announced that his compatriot Supachok Sirachat will arrive on loan from Burr Ram United next month. If he can enjoy even half the success of his countrymen then that would serve as a real fillip for Sapporo. Veteran forward Shinzo Koraki is now finally fit again, he could be the answer to their goal-scoring problems, though rapidly approaching his 36th birthday, it's probably best if they don't rely on him too greatly and instead look to bring in a new attacker this summer. There is increasing pressure on Petrovic's position, but with Kinsadol still ensconced in mid-table, four points above the drop zone, getting rid of him and radically altering their playing style is probably a risk too great to contemplate at this very moment, though it is definitely a situation to keep your eye on, particularly if they continue to see goals by the bucket load. Team News The following players are doubts for this fixture and, or have an important status announcement regarding their availability. GK Takanori Sujino, calf injury, last played 14th of May, has partially resumed training. MF Lucas Fernandez, missed last week's loss to Kawasaki in the midweek cup tie with Kofu, reason unknown. MF Tomoki Takamini, hamstring injury, last played 14th of May, return date unknown. FW Tsuyashi Ogashiwa, hamstring injury, last played 29th of April which was a failed attempt at a comeback, currently unclear when he'll be back. FW Gabriel Xavier, was subbed off in the first half of the home loss to Ventfer at Kofu in the Emperor's Cup on Wednesday night, his participation here has to be in some doubt. 
predicted lineups and stats. Thanks for reading and enjoy the game whoever you are supporting.